The Lord is good. Praise the Lord. All right, let's quickly open our Bibles to declare the glory of the Lord. Then we'll take our declaration of understanding. Then we'll take our seats. And we'll start to teach. I greet somebody on your left, on your right. Tell the person, good morning. Tell the person, prophetic word. It's not a greet. Say, good morning. Prophesy to somebody, good morning to you. Tell the person, good day to you. Excellent, beautiful, anointed morning to you. Say it's a morning of understanding. It's a morning of insight. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Jeremiah chapter 10. From there we will declare the glory of the Lord this morning. Jeremiah chapter 10. We're reading from verse 6. After I'm, I'm sure you are conversant with that. We're reading from verse 6 and we'll stop in verse 16. There are 11 verses there. Alright? Now one to let's go. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Beating silver is brought from Tarshish, and gold from Ophaz. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is a true God. He is a living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The God that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there's a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful. There is no breath in them, they are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. He said the portion of Jacob is not like this. It's not like those worthless, molten images that are deceitful. Why? Because the maker of all is he. And we, the Israel of God, we are the tribe of his inheritance. And the Lord of hosts is his name. Thank you, Father. For from you this morning we receive understanding. From you this morning we receive insight. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. We give you praise. Now because of our faith we declare as follows. The Lord has given me this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
I said, Amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Okay, let's start from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. We've been looking at the grace of the Lord Jesus. Let's take our text this morning from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. I want to read that um, prayer of Paul, which he very well known, very famous um, prayer in the Word of Faith movement. And Hagen specifically taught us to pray this for ourselves, and we did it, and I believe we got the results. He said from verse 15, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Now notice verse, uh, the next lines. Say these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. The church, he says in verse 23, is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, I read this, of course, everything that we read here is very important, but the main thing, the reason why I read this is in the latter part of verse 19 into verse 20-21. He said, the power that works towards us who believe is in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, please bear that in mind. It's the main um, text we are using today. The fact that God exercised tremendous power when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Now, before I go into that, let me just use this previous verse as a way of uh, recapitulating some things we said last time, which, um, uh, like in verse um, 18, he said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened so that you will know the hope of his calling. And notice this, and the riches, say what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, please, let me just remind us of something. I said it last time, that the sacrifice of Jesus was to make it legally possible for God to distribute his goodness to us. Don't ever forget that. Now, what God aims to do, I explained, that if you think about it well and you understand it, you analyze it to the basics. All right? So the fundamentals. It is not possible to give God anything. It is not possible. And the analogy I used then is the fact that you cannot say, I want to harvest enough trees, all the trees that ever grew on this earth. All right? And you pack them together, so you want to donate to the, the sun so as to help the sun burn brighter. The sun is just going to laugh at you. I hope you're getting my point. The sun is just going to laugh at you because everything you are bringing if you remember, you do your biology or chemistry. All the energy that's containing the bonds that you want to burn 
in the trees, all right, from the remnant of the trees, they came out of the sun, actually. They came out of the sun. It's solar radiation that the leaves trapped and formed into the substance of the sun. Please, when they are teaching you in secondary school, try and listen. Don't just try to pass and disappear. Say, I'm not going to study science. It's basic. You see, now it keeps catching up with you even to read the Bible. Just by the way, this before I get to my message, don't ever think you can escape. Escape is not possible. Many of you don't like organic chemistry. I didn't like it too, secondary school. So I just endured. As soon as I passed chemistry in secondary school, I said, praise God. Bye-bye to organic chemistry. Okay. As I enter university, chemistry 103, organic chemistry 1. I say, ah-ah, here again. I finished chemistry 105, organic chemistry 2. Yeah. So I endured again. God gave me the spirit of endurance. I said, I will just escape. Then towards the end of my first year on campus, I went to visit one guy who's in second year. We were same faculty. I entered his room, sat down. Then I saw one book. They called it biochemistry. And I knew that, I mean, he's my senior by one year. Whatever he's going through now, I shall go through next year. Then I took the book and opened it. You know what I saw? More difficult organic chemistry. I remember that day very well. I left that place depressed. So I've learned now. Don't think I escape. Anything you're supposed to learn, learn it. It's waiting for you in front. Who would have guessed that all your chemistry and biology is waiting for your Bible study? <laughs> How would you have guessed that this is the thing we wait for you? See, don't catch you now. So go back home and go and read. All right? The way they okay is smiling. It's obvious he's guilty. He was planning to dodge. Anyway, so, okay, let me teach you some more chemistry and physics. Energy is not destroyed. It's just converted from one form to another. So solar energy that comes to the earth is what the leaves trap. And essentially, they put in the bonds. So when you go and use firewood to cook, it's sun energy you are using to cook. You are just releasing it through burning. Is that okay? So that is why the sun will not be impressed with all the, all the wood we bring from the earth to offer it to it as an offering. It may accept it, but it's just smiling at us. God is like the sun. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, that's what he is. He's the sun, the sun of righteousness that arises with healing in his wings. Anything will come to him with he gave to us first. The truth is that you can't give anything to God. You know, I keep on saying that. You can't. So, to the, there's not... Humility is not putting yourself lower than you really are. Humility is knowing where you really are. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Look, humility is knowing where you really are. When you go to God, you are humble because you have to be humble. There's nothing more to be. I don't know whether you're getting my point. If you know the truth, you can't come and say, God, I brought money for you. Because from which of my accounts did you take it? That's what he's going to ask you. From which of my accounts did you take it? Because you don't have. You don't have anything. You can't give anything to God if you want to understand it properly. Like I was saying last time, I just feel like recapitulating. God is very great and is very good. The only thing he does is what? Give. Everything he tries to do is to see how he can give some more. You are getting my point? All he tries to do is to see how he can give some more to us. That's all he ever tries to do, to see how he can give. The sacrifice of Jesus was a way of him giving himself in the greatest measure. 
He said, like I said last time, let me just repeat it again. So are you saying we can never give God anything so I should just eat all my money by myself? That's not what we're saying. Of course, that's not what we're saying at all. We're saying that anytime you, you, what you actually do is release. I hope, I hope you're getting my point. Jesus told that man, go and sell all you have, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. You're not giving to me. But whatever it is that you have right now is not allowing you receive what I have to give. Your fists are clenched. I can't put anything inside. So you release. Let me just talk about giving briefly. It's a sign of faith for us believers. It's a sign that my faith is not in material things. First Timothy chapter 6, we read, we read, we read it from there once in a while. He explained, he said, tell those who are rich in this world not to be conceited or do what? Place their hope in uncertain riches. He said, riches are uncertain. He said, what is a sign? Check how they are generous. So their generosity is a sign of where their faith is. I hope you're getting my point. That's what it is. So let's get it clear. You can never, you know, I've said this thing so much, I'm wondering whether I should stop saying it. That you can never go to God. You know, no matter how much you say, people hear, you know, sometimes Christians want to try and play, um, how do I say it? You want to play safe. Let me really say something to you. You can't play safe. There's no safe playing. If you find truth, you must climb into it. Do you understand? If you find truth, you must enter into it. Once, if you don't, your current level now becomes iniquity. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's so bad, all right, that Paul and Koha to warn the Jews that if any one of you tries to obey the laws of Moses as a means to salvation, you will lose your salvation. And let nobody tell you you can't. They are to warn that you are going to lose. Because they've, they had stepped into Christ. If that is Jesus said, if I see you offer one sacrifice, that's Passover, you go and take an animal and bring it for your sins. You think where I could take it easy? I hope you're getting my point. It's very important we understand it. So what I'm saying is this. Let's bear it in mind. You can't play safe. You can never go to God using style to remind him of the good things you have done. It's not acceptable in any way. It's not acceptable. The reason is because, of course, like, like I was saying earlier, humility is not about putting your, uh, maybe, uh, thank you, sir, for the money you gave us. Yeah, it's no, no, don't worry. It wasn't me. I don't know who sent it. If you are the one that sent the money, say, ah, we thank God. I, I, I hope I get my point. Uh, humility is not denying that you are the one God used. All right? <laughs> so humility is not rolling on the ground below where God kept you. When we are humble, we are just being truthful. So that kind of money thing I say, I say, oh, we give God praise. After all, he's the giver of all things. It is his money. Do you follow my point? It's, you're not being humble. You are being, you're being truthful. So your humility is that you have discovered the truth. A humble person really knows the truth. You're getting me? Please, I just feel, I know I have to keep saying that thing again and again because people still secretly, like we were saying yesterday, we were discussing what are the ways by which you pollute the offering of Jesus Christ, that the sacrifice of Jesus, the name of Jesus when you come to prayer. And then we said a number of things. You have this kind of boldness. When you have checked, your tithe is complete, your first fruit is complete. You have given good offerings. You check it, ah, you now come and kneel down. Father, under name. God says, this is, see, 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 see. This is your boldness is coming from giving. It's a sin. Let's call it spade a spade. This is sin. You have sinned. Yesterday when you came to pray, you didn't pray like this. Oh. 
But this morning you came to say, Father, I want to give you thanks. I'm beginning to declare God. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Why? Because he transferred all the money this morning. He transferred the money. So he now believes that. Ah. 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 We have done something. God must do something. Start having rubbish boldness. Now, these people suffer needlessly. We give another example. Under, well, you are one of those things. So you have not eaten. You want to pray. Last 24 hours, food never enter your stomach. No water. So when you rise up, you know, there's this sense of spirituality. This morning we begin to pray. God said, look at him. Hindu. He has come. Buddhist. <laughs> he has come to pray. Why? Because he thinks this hunger will make us listen. Because he go and read your Bible well. When I listen to Anna, she had just finished eating. She just finished eating and drinking, then she rose up into the temple. So all this one be just in me. Feeling, feeling very cool. You scan your life over the last one week. Have I done anything wrong? Because look, I, I, if I show you what you have done wrong, let's not talk about it. <laughs> what am I going to say? Let's understand who God is. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's so great. He's like fire. Light another fire. It doesn't diminish in any way. And that's the way he is. He's just trying to light himself in people. One of his greatest pains in life is that he has to send somebody to hell. He will do it too. I'm not saying, don't think that he won't do it too. A good God. God is more righteous than good. Just understand that. You see what I said? He's more, if you have to rate his characters, all right? The traits of his personality. Righteousness is higher than all these other ones. Goodness. Because the foundation of Godship is righteousness. You don't have to be good to be God. But you must be righteous. Otherwise, you are not God. But being good is good. I hope you get my point. He chose to be good. But with righteousness, he has no choice. He ha- he's a, that's what it means to be God. And that is why he sends people to hell. So nobody come and tell you that God is too good to do it. No. He's too good to do it. That is true. But he's too righteous not to do it. He's too righteous not to do it. But the point is that that's the most painful thing for him. It's very, very painful. It's extremely painful. It's something he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to condemn anybody. And many of the nonsense we see on this earth is that his lack of willingness to condemn. You'll be enduring with long-suffering. The Bible calls it the vessels of wrath. Just be looking at them. Do you know Ahab, son of Belial, Ahab? You know Ahab? There are some people, in, you know, there are not too many of them. They are uniquely wicked. They were uniquely wicked. Jeroboam, Ahab, Manasseh, son of Hezekiah. There are a number of them. Their wickedness is their portion. They are just... You know, the Satan in human flesh. You know, the world became flesh. The devil became flesh and dwelt as king in Israel. In those people. Yet, one day, God looked at Ahab. After he threatened fire and brimstone, he went home and cried. Ah! Because he hey! Look at how he has humbled himself before me. That little repentance. God was quick to change his mind. Except that Ahab couldn't sustain repentance. God doesn't like to punish people. He doesn't. He really, he doesn't. He's just waiting patiently, hoping that people will repent. And when they repent, he will now forgive everything. 
He's so willing to forgive. What he can't stand, however, is stubbornness. Oh, no, that one, they can't stand that one. I just like explain that again. He didn't kill Saul for disobeying him. Many people think he did. He never did. Saul's death and punishment was not for disobedience. It was for stubbornness. What is this? Everybody disobeys. Who doesn't disobey? We all disobey. Disobedience is our... We just... You know, we can't help but disobey. It's just like us. So God is used to it. That's why he's mindful. What? Yeah, he's mindful. What he's not mindful of, he doesn't, he doesn't, he can't stand that one. He's like, he'll not come to you. Which is only what kills Saul. It's all right, Saul, you see? I know you people disobey. It's okay. It's all right. Take it easy. No problem. I told you, go and do this. He said to Samuel. You didn't do it. He said, I did it. Ha. He said, that one is the one I can't stand. Though. I said, these are the instructions I give. You have to wipe everything out. Everything. He said, what's all this man? Ma'am, they don't sound like, you know, these are not uh, Israelite sheep. Yeah, exactly. These men are foreign. <laughs> these are the men of Amalekite. What are you talking about here? Uh, he started explaining. Uh, you see, it wasn't, ah, ah, God said, only acknowledge your iniquity. Just say, Lord, I did what was wrong. I'm sorry. So, not grill. So, then the judgment came out. He said, now you have rejected. Now, listen. It wasn't the first instruction that the judgment was for. It was now I brought correction. And yet you are refusing it. Uh, that's what God, when he starts punishing on that one, he doesn't look back. He will carry his mercy, keep it on one corner. That PTI, he will close them. He said, Lord, please, pity. He said, why? The greatest pity I can show to people is I come and tell you you are wrong. Did I not tell him that? It's okay, you go and tell him he's wrong. Hey, go there. <laughs> God said, you think you have more sense than me? Go. Intercessor, go. When you will get, get there, say, bros, what you did is wrong. Am I the worst of people? Am I the worst? But I are doing it too. <laughs> God said, I told you. Is that why it's punishing me like this? Just more disobedience. Abba. God said, you see? I don't like to punish people. They like to be punished. They won't just turn around and acknowledge their iniquity and they allow me to forgive them. So the problem is Nigeria. The problem is Nigeria. When Paul said, be careful for nothing, he, he had not lived in Nigeria. He had not lived in Nigeria. If you had lived in Nigeria, who would tell you because you don't be careful? Listen, you better have a plan B. This country, is, Nigeria is a problem. So anytime you go to God, God says, I won't forgive them. I can't forgive them. I can't. They have an explanation for every disobedience. I can't forgive them. I will punish them to the fullest. Please mark my words, though. I feel so prophetic. This is the statements I'm making now. He said, what is the sin unto death? People keep on asking that question. God gave me understanding about it a few years ago. The sin unto death is not one special kind of sin. The sin unto death is the one concerning which you have been corrected and you reject correction. That's just what it is. Paul said, I received mercy. Why? I acted how? In ignorance. That's sin that's not unto death. I acted in ignorance. So I received mercy. But then, when knowledge comes, and you still reject it, Paul said, there remains no sacrifice for such sins. Let me just say something. Don't ever joke with correction. 
Listen, let me tell you something. If somebody corrects you, the worst that can happen is that the person is wrong. There's no need to blow up your ego over it. Who are you to tell me I'm wrong? See, if it's either you are wrong. Now, listen to me. If you are young, don't go be telling your seniors you are wrong, you are young, you don't have manners. I hope you're getting my point. Okay? So I'm not trying to excuse it. But let's, if you are the senior, if the young person tells you you are wrong, don't focus on his manners. I don't know whether I get my point. Don't focus on his manners. Check whether you are wrong. The miserable we make is that they focus on. Did you see the way he was saying it? I don't even, look, look, it's not even what I did. This is attitude. I don't get it. One day, man, you know, you know, some human beings who don't know how to think about other people. Like, can I beg you, learn to think, you know, think about other people's matters, all right? Like, you want to park your car. Check whether the next guy can come out. Or he can enter his car. Because when they park, they will squeeze so that <laughs> they park so close to you, you can't open your door. And if you do open your door, this is how you'll be squeezing like a member, trying to enter your own car. I said, look, come on. Think before you park. So this guy needs to come out. All right? No, really. Do, do that. Do some reasoning. Okay? Anyway, so once I was in the office, so I parked my car. You know, the driveway into where I parked, it has a cover and it was raining. So the guy parked right where everybody needs to pass through. There was about three cars, okay, that can go in there and park. But he just parked right there at that small entrance so he could take the cover and let his car there. Time to go. Can't find him. Finally, I found the guy. At that time, it was 45 minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes. It wasn't two minutes. Didn't leave his number, didn't leave anything. I said, please, come and move your car. I need to go. You know, the first thing he told me, don't talk to me like that. I said, you don't talk to me like that. Let, let me leave it there. Because if not that we're in civilized society, I will have punched him straight in the face. You, 45 minutes I've been looking for you. And the first thing you are telling me, I shouldn't talk to you like that. So I asked him who on earth he was. I'll leave it there. But I remember I said, Jesus is my Lord. You can't. He said, I didn't even ask what happened. What happened more than the, than the fact that he rained? That's what happened. It rained. So because he's made of salt, if he said in the rain, you know he would dissolve. But the point I'm making is that I, I remember very well because this guy had nothing to say about the fact that he blocked adults who had places to go. The first thing he had to tell me was, why am I talking to him like that? And I looked at the guy. Do you even look like my senior? No. The point I'm making is, please, let's forget me for a moment. Let's go to him. What you did was out of order. No, you parked in a place where, you know, if it's normal country, you will pay, you will pay fine. You will pay fine. You will pay. Now, what I'm trying to say, please, eh? I'm telling you how to prosper in life, how to live long. Take correction. Focus on the content. Forget the delivery. I hope you're getting my point. If a young person comes talk to you rudely, okay? They want to park like that. Which kind, which kind of park in your park like this? What is wrong? Don't you have elders in your place? Leave that in. Yes, how he spoke to an elder is wrong. But if the way you park is wrong, try. It's called discipline. Discipline yourself to focus on the fact that you did that which was wrong. One day a man called my department when I was in Lutz. I was embarrassed that day. You know why? He did the wrong thing. So I called him to order. The way he apologized and told, told me who he was, I wanted to fall down. The way I called the old man to order, I didn't know he told you, know, just on the phone, not the hand, just intercom, just pick the phone. I said, you're asking questions, I don't even know who's asking. And I was a small boy. I was a resident doctor. I just said, I had like, you know, with a kind of tone. You're asking questions, you don't, didn't even tell us who you are. The way the man, do you know the way he apologized? 
And then when he told me who it was, I went to say, okay, please, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to talk like that. <laughs> no, the humility. Do you get my point? When I saw the caliber of human being I was talking to, when he told me his name, I was now feeling bad that I rebuked him. Even though what he did was not right. But he so accepted, oh, he said, I'm so sorry. I'm so, 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 please, I need to talk to this person. I'm like, oh, God. I could, if I dare tell him his, my name, no. <laughs> I wanted to hang before and I run to the other room. Then somebody has come and ask. <laughs> the Lord is good. What am I emphasizing? God is very good. He loves to forgive. He doesn't love to punish. He doesn't love, in fact, he hates to condemn. He hates it. But he cannot stand people that cannot be corrected. He can't stand them. He doesn't let them into his presence. He doesn't want to see them. You know what I found out? One day I was reading my Bible. Hmm? I was reading my scriptures. I don't know whether you've ever experienced this. Just go pick a, okay, maybe you said today I want to read. I want to read. So you start with Jeremiah, the longest book of the Bible. I hope you know Jeremiah is the longest, longer than Psalms. All right? You know, halfway through reading Jeremiah, your spirit will go down. Just be saying that, Nineveh, I will behead you. Egypt, I'm going to remove your gods. I like Abba. When you see the way he'll be going on and on, threatening fire and brimstone on people, they say, okay, okay, okay. Then you move over to Nahum. Just jump. Then from Nahum, you go to maybe Stephanie, go to ah, everything. Threat, threat. So there's a time I said, God, you don't do. Let me go to read, you know, Colossians chapter 1. And let me get some encouragement. I mean, is this one you want to kiss somebody? You want to kiss somebody? It's all about the place you go to Isaiah. Now, so you go threaten, threaten. Jeremiah, the same thing. The only one that I didn't threaten too much there is Daniel. Daniel was just seeing visions for his own encouragement. And if you know, that was why there's not too much threat there. Because it was for the encouragement of Daniel. Everyone, ah, let's not even go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. He first started with blessing. <laughs> then when he started with the curses, or more. Oh, my father. One, no, really, one day I went to pray. God, please, why? Now, why is this book so full of things like this? I mean, you know the understanding the Holy Spirit gave me? God said, these are things I desperately don't want to do. Is the reason why I'm warning. So that I will not do them. I want to scare them away so that they will not disobey. That's why it's all over the place. There's never a time I wanted to do it. And in the scriptures are connected in my head. Wait, oh, jo, um, Jonah. The Ninevites were deserving of punishment. And Jonah went there, did not tell them to repent. They just told them, it's 40 days, you guys are toast. And then they, you know what they did? The king heard, called everybody, holy convocation. Everybody, time to pray, repent, fast, sackcloth, ashes. I don't know who taught him all those things. They said, fast, they said, okay. The guy said, dogs, we fast. What about our sheep? They will fast. Cows, no grass. Ah. That's how desperately they were repenting. And God looked at the people of Nineveh and lifted the judgment. That hit me. He never wanted to do it. He never, that's why he kept warning. I said, okay, that's why the Bible is full of warnings. But let's bear it in mind, if you don't hear the warnings, the judgment will fall. Please, my emphasis is that God is very good. 
He's very, very good. All he ever wants to do is to release his blessing. He's not trying to collect anything from anybody. Never. Never. Anything you give in quotes is something you give up so you can receive something greater. Sometimes God will look at a man, sell all you have, go and give it out. Give to the poor. Why? You will receive eternal life. That's the reason why you are not able to experience the eternal life. Not because God is looking for offerings. God is so great. Having meditated on the scriptures for years, I found out why he made man at least. It's because, can I borrow the expression for a moment? He's tired of being God all by himself. He wants to multiply himself. He wants to have, in quote, gods to gist with. Yes, seriously. Ah, go and read your Bible now. The son is equal with the father, two of us. And he's making all of us in the exact image of the son. Chew on that. What does he want to do? He just wants to multiply himself. He wants to take Godship and put inside somebody else. So he's got the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in Christ Jesus. And that's okay. You know what you are going to do? You are going to multiply yourself in all these people that will believe. He said, one day we are going to see him and we are going to be how? Exactly like him. That's what he's trying to do. Just to multiply himself. Because, he, he, don't worry, he's not threatened. Do you hear what I said? He's too big. He can't be threatened. If ever people say things like this before, that Satan wanted to dethrone God. I said, that, those thoughts don't enter anybody's mind. There's nobody. I don't know. It's like, say you want to dethrone oxygen. Or the water wants to, uh, the fish wants to dethrone water. I, I hope you get my point. Say, so human beings have gathered. Want to dethrone air. <laughs> and air is okay. Go and do it. <laughs> you know, he's not going to fight you. Because all air needs to do is, okay, okay, they want to dethrone us. You just, just, just move back. And what happens to all of those who trying to dethrone air? They will first collapse. They collapse a second time. What's the plural for collapse? Collapse, thank you. They will just be falling all over the place. So, no, when people say that, you don't understand. You know what the Bible says? When God withdraws his spirit, what happens? They expire. So, he doesn't, he does, he does not ever feel threatened by anybody. So, when you hear that Satan wanted to go and dethrone God, lie, lie, the worst you can do to God is disobey him. Which you are hurting yourself by. The worst you can do. The idea, you know, he said that, so Satan said that I will be like the most high. I will not, look, he was talking about the realm of mankind. That time it was not even Satan. It was um, the king of Babylon that was talking nonsense. We are the ones that decided to apply it to Satan. The Bible never said to Satan. And one day I did my study on it. I said, where did you get this idea from? He said, Lucifer. He was the king of Babylon. Human king. You can just as a type. He wasn't a satanic gist at all. He was a human being that was having ideas. That's why he could die and be buried. And those who were buried before would say, oh, but you two, you don't die too. So when we have ideas that uh, somebody wants to dethrone who? His existence, existing in itself is him. So it, so it doesn't feel threatened at all. Multiplying himself in people, putting of his substance into you, it doesn't, it, it, he can't be reduced. That's who, that's who, God is. I'm just revising some things we said before. All he was doing in Christ Jesus, I need to remind us of this one also. 
No, no, I emphasize that, that, that um, verse what? 18. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Two things there. Number one, there's every good thing that he has. Like I said the other time, just open the book of Psalms. Best place to look for it. And see, blessed are this, blessed the righteous is this, you know, all the blessings of the righteous. These are the things that God wanted to give people who cannot in themselves attain to righteousness. So what did he do? Jesus came and legally, legally obtained everything. At the end of the day, he gave to anyone who will believe in him. And he said, this is not the qualification for righteousness. It's not how much good works you have done by yourself, but how much of faith in me that you have. And the father said, that is good. So all the blessings of God that he has kept for good people, for righteous people, they now belong to Jesus. And Jesus said, I have given to anyone who believes in me. That's it. I hope you're getting my point. Please, never, ever feel. You know, Paul said, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. What was he trying to say? The only way we know ourselves now is what we are in Christ Jesus. Do you follow my point? That, see, you know, the, you know the real cure for racism? That's the teaching of Christ. For Christians to really believe that Christ. That's the real cure for racism. Yeah, because if you are white, of course, generally on this earth today, the people that feel most... Now, by the way, I hope that is a, it's a natural thing. It's, it's human flesh. For one person to feel superior to another. Even all these small, small, poor tribes in Nigeria. If some of them feel superior... Now, I won't tell you so nobody will be offended. All right? The tribe I'm thinking of, eh, they are a minority in Nigeria. You know, Nigeria, you have major... Uh, but there's one of these smaller ones. <laughs> if you see the arrogance and the superiority attitude they have, you'll be looking like, wait, you eat national cake, if we share that, you're not going to get to... <laughs> get to most. Yeah, but I'm not joking. My wife knows what I'm talking about. No, it's not her people. No, <laughs> no it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. Okay, I won't tell you who. At the end of the day, you can come and ask me at the back. That's how people are everywhere. You go, see, it, that's why, you know, people talk about racism. It doesn't offend me. It, personally, it can't because you see, in the, on the global scale, we see racism. Within a race, we see tribalism, nationalism, we see all kinds of things. You now see within one tribe, you see villagism. You see clanism. When I enter the family, because the man now has more than one wife, ah, the children of the first wife will let the other ones know that their mother was their maid. <laughs> That's why it doesn't bother me personally. I don't take offense. You understand? I don't take offense really because I know it's a natural human. Human beings are like that everywhere. Every, they're always looking for one way to feel like they are superior to somebody else. It's just a, it's a flesh thing. It's a flesh thing. So, if I'm, if I'm maybe amongst uh, white people, you're not deciding that because I'm a black person, you want to feel superior. In my mind, that's your problem. I don't know what I get my point. It's your, it's so much your problem. I don't feel anything. I'm not angry with, I can't be angry with you because I know my own brethren, when I get back home, they do the same thing. Amongst the black, we do it to ourselves. And amongst the white, they do to themselves. Hey, yeah. Let me not talk about UK. Anyway, but if you go to UK, there are some, some of them, they look so down on another group of them. And all of them are, to you, they all look the same. Everybody looks white. 
If you know how the Japanese, at least I don't have any Japanese listening to me. All right, good. I think I can sit down. If you know how they look down on the Chinese, you wouldn't believe it. And the Koreans, they don't believe that they are the same level of human beings. Meanwhile, we will read the Bible and say they are all descendants of Japheth to be speaking that English. No, the Japanese doesn't think so. He thinks he's the descendant of a god. I'm serious. Everywhere you go to. So that's why personally, I, I don't take offense. I don't feel, I, I mean, you see, you see a white person say they oppress the black people. They didn't oppress the black people. Natural people oppress natural people when they have the opportunity. The great, yeah, it's, it's true. The greatest oppressor of black people are black people. What are you talking about? There's one man I saw on TV once. He was making a lot of noise. He was very angry. He said, policeman shot a black man. Now, he's a black man. This is in America. He was very angry. He said, this is the problem he has with this country. That they are deflecting from the real thing. He said, how many black people get killed by whites? One or two. He said, for every one black person a policeman shoots, 100 have been shot by other blacks. He said, most blacks are shot by blacks. Nobody is talking about it. They are telling me one policeman shot one black person because he's white. The, the guy is in Chicago. He said, this is the mother capital of America. Black people are shooting black people every day. And he's not making the news. Then one black, one white policeman, just one black man, and then the whole world is flapping their wings. That this is patronizing. That this is very annoying. If it's death you're talking about, let's talk about it. Most of us die by the hands of other blacks. You see, they see why it doesn't bother me. Most of the oppression of black people is done by black people. Most of the, who sold black people as slaves? Black people. We want to now buy the, we want to fall the man who bought Something that was on offer. Leave that in. And the marketing come now. So I hope you've stopped getting angry. Yeah, I, I say things like this will calm people's temperature down. Don't go around before you go and shoot a white man for nothing. Now, let me not leave my main message. My main message, however, is that the real cure for all these differences is Christ. Yeah, that's it. When we come into Christ, everything is broken down. That's why the riches of God's glory. That's where they are, you know, kept. In Christ Jesus, all the differences from between one person and another is, you know, is removed. When we start seeing ourselves, Paul says, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. I don't care whether you are white or black. Let's talk, let's leave white and black. This is Nigeria, right? We're not in America. I'll be pretending like we're in America. We're in Nigeria. Okay, okay, people are listening for everywhere anyway. But the point I'm making is that forget the tribes. I don't care which tribe you are from. Are you, are you in Christ? You know, some people would rather marry somebody of questionable Christianity, as long as it's from their tribe or their, or even their local government, than a genuine Christian that has fallen. Yeah. From another tribe. It's a sign. Listen, let me tell you, tell you something ahead of time. If you are like that, you have cut off a heavy flow of blessing to your life. If you have that attitude, he said, I don't have that attitude. All right, fine. I don't, I'm not saying, but one day your children will grow. God will now remind you. And God, they do something in Ariazo. The day your child now comes, say that boy. The way he's tall, look at his nose. The shape of his head. Where is he from? He says, um, Nasarawa. Eh? What did you say? You have not asked, which other does he go to? You are asking, where is he from? Because they see that blessing I blessed like 15 years ago. I want to now collect it back. You know, that time it was on credit. Now you are not agreeing to pay. 
You were praying that day. You said, no, you descend the body of Christ. I said, okay. You know me? Shebanki told me I can change the past. I'm going to the past to collect back the blessing. There are certain things you do. What you are doing is that you are just cutting off a particular flow of blessing. You must have the... See, it's not just the action. It's the right attitude. I hope you're getting my point. The attitude must be right. And one day God will test it. He will test it. He will test it. Sometimes he tests it in different ways. It may not even be just, it's a comment you pass after you have used two bottles. You know they call two bottles? Now, what two bottles do is that it loses your tongue. It allows you to say the things that are really inside your heart. I'm not saying you should do bottles, but that's when God wants to catch you. That's what you make you that day you start talking. Say, look, this country, look, let me just be honest. Your daughter wants to marry. Where's the guy from? Eh? Across the Niger. Who? You know this country, we don't know where it is going. You know? What's that, you see? Angels, right that down. She better warn you people that this boy does not believe. You know, it's not you. It's not your son. It's, not, it's your friend's daughter that's married. And then you open your mouth and talk. And then you speak, you know, like we saw the other day from Numbers 14. You conspire against the Lord. You must never get into a conspiracy against God. Be very, very careful. I'm talking about the riches of God's glory. It's in Christ Jesus we have it. Paul said, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. You know what it means? Your, your ancestry means nothing. I like to always add this one. Don't follow all those prophets that will be telling you about the sins of your ancestors. Don't, don't, the, the, the sin of your grandmother. Don't follow them. Especially when they tell you that you will use a seed to break. Just know that's where the whole thing is coming from. Or that's where it's leading to. Don't follow anybody that preaches to you that your problem is that somebody in your ancestry committed a sin. Your mother did something then. Your father did something then. Your grandfather did something then. Don't follow them. Because Paul said, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. What do we know? It's just one thing. If anyone is in Christ, he said there is a new creation. He is a new creature. Whichever we want to read it. He said, all things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the spiritual principle that's controlling your life right now is a new one. It's not the result of the sin of one, either is Noah's, Noah's son or your great-grandfather in recent times. And it says the devil has a right in your house simply because your father used to worship in a shrine. Now, I, I, no, for me, I think that thing doesn't even make sense. You know why it doesn't make sense to me? You know why? You want to know why? Everybody's grandfather worshiped in the shrine. Is this not Africa? Come on, everybody. It's a normal thing. If even Europe, no be shrine they worship. So leave that thing. Do you get my point? Don't come and harass me with it. My father's shrineness is not unique. Don't make it look like I've, it's only in my family that they worship in shrine. Who didn't worship in shrine? Who, who did it? Everybody's ancestor worship one crazy thing or the other. Even God, when God looked at Israel, said your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. <laughs> Yet, I saw you in the pool of your blood and I said to you, leave. What are you talking about here? When people go to some church, they sit down and be analyzing things for them. I just look at, why are they confusing you? And let me say something about the devil. You know, he thrives, listen to me, the devil thrives on ignorance. I need to say that thing again. He tra- Look, he literally will come 
and make that claim. Because you know somebody has told you. One of our sisters told me, look, you know, these are no people that joke. When they were talking about something, they said, look, let me tell you something. And she told me an experience she had after she got married. The evil spirit literally came to make a claim on her. She warned the spirit, if I catch you here again, the guy ran. She didn't go for deliverance. Because, yeah, as a matter of fact, those things happen in the family. So the devil said, let me go and try this one, whether this one go for. And she, she saw the spirit with her, whether not spiritual eyes or physical eyes. And he was making a claim. Now I want to say, who? On whose body? Let me just warn you here. If I catch you here again, now have fire straight. You will get to lake of fire before the time. You don't know it's possible. It's possible now. Didn't you hear them? They used to come to you. Are you have you come to destroy us? Uh-huh. So when I, you know when I tell you things, it's from scripture. <laughs> have you come to destroy us before the time? You warn the devil. Say if you come here again, I will destroy you before the time. It rests on ignorance. Those who don't know will have gone. Young woman put her foot down. Say, devil, you see, if you cross this gate again, if you cross this gate again, the spirit will just try. And that's why we preach the way we do. To emphasize to people, don't give the devil it. Because he will come. And see, people who don't know, preachers who don't know, they now want to emphasize to you. They will not be telling you. There was one, I heard that, I'm sorry to say it, I heard that rubbish preaching all the time. There was one girl. I went to Lagos. She came for the meeting. And they found out that this has always been happening to her. Anytime she wants to marry, she will dream two days ahead. And then something will happen, and then the, 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 the marriage will scatter. And there was one man, anytime they want to sign the contract or give him the job, then this will happen. He said, let me tell you, tell your, like one man said, tell your mother, tell me the story of my life. <laughs> now, Reverend Hinka says, sit down one day, they watch that in for television. The man said, tell, tell your parents to tell you the story of your life. Let me give you my, the word of the Lord. Don't listen to any story of your life. The story of your life is written in the scriptures. He said, before any one of them was the days of my life were written in thy book. Is that not there? Yes, That's the story of your life. So they will not be preaching. Ask your mother, where's my placenta? Do you know, when somebody raised that matter, I didn't even know I had a placenta. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, you had a placenta. Okay, it's true. I have a novel, actually. You know the only human that never had a novel? Two of them, actually. Adam and Eve. Eh? Oh, you, you don't know? <laughs> oh, some people are like, oh, 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 hey, oh, hey. <laughs> They didn't have, they, I mean, what are they going to do? Is it? <laughs> Adam didn't connect to anybody's placenta. But Cain, Abel, everybody down to you, we all have novels, all right? I'm like, what? Okay, I had a placenta. I, mean, I, I should not go and ask my mother. Mommy, where's my placenta? <laughs> my mother is looking like, is it because I'm still alive here? That's why I'm talking nonsense. <laughs> placenta we discussed here to 50 something years ago. Want yourself, oh. So what, what do you want to do with it? This man said, go ask your parents, where's your placenta? Tell me the story of my life. Why? Because the problem these girls were having and these men were having was because when they were born, somebody buried something. I said, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? 
Now, in case you don't know, placenta will rot faster. You know, it doesn't have any bone. If you see placenta with bone, that's where the evil spirit really is. You're not supposed to get bone. <laughs> the thing dissolves its normal tissue. I don't know where the nurses bury it. Leave nurses alone. The midwives, they, are, they don't do your placenta. They, they, they trash it. They don't show it any dignity. Say, so your father should tell you, your mother should tell you what happened to your placenta. Please, if you ask that nonsense question, God will be angry with you. He said, ask your father, tell me the story of my life. The story of my life, what is wrong? What, carry your Bible and read the story of your life. If anyone is in Christ, is a new creature. It's the story of your life. Behold, I and the children that the Lord gave to me were for signs and for wonders. It's the story of your life. Before you were born, he knew you. He consecrated you a particular purpose. That's the story of your life. That's the story of your life. He ordained you to manifest a part of God. That's the story of your life. As for the one that your ancestors did, it's none of your business. Now, I'm emphasizing something. Satan will try. He will try. He wants to check whether you really know the truth. You have one problem after another. Who doesn't have problem? Everybody. See, even Jesus has problems. You know that. He did, though. You don't know. Oh, he did. When Judas is your treasurer, you have a problem. When your mother doesn't believe in you after every word that God gave to her before you were born, you got a problem. When you go home to your hometown and people are making jest of your ministry, you have a problem. When you preach the truth and everybody leaves, the church becomes empty. You build a church, 5,000 seat auditorium. The place is full. Then you come and say, the Lord was saying to me yesterday, and you give them the word of the Lord. After service, you blink. Only 12 people remain. You don't think you have a problem? Of course you have a problem. When everywhere you go, somebody is trying to kill you. You don't think you have a problem? Even your disciples are saying there's no need to go to Bethany. It's a risky place to go. He had a problem too. What are you saying? And recently, I found out. I didn't know that before. Many people won't like what I'm about to say, but I think it's true. Occasionally, you know what happened. I don't know how often. One funny sickness will grip him. So Jesus fell sick. Yes. He said, what? He was sinless. He was bearing your sin. It wasn't just when he got to the cross. The Bible said he had to be touched with the feeling of your infirmities. God wake him up one day and said, oh boy, it takes more headache. Why? Because this is your boy. They're going to have a headache. You have to know how to intercede. He ever lives to make intercession. So they touched him with disappointment, with pains, with everything. It wasn't that like he was a sinner and he was suffering for his sins. No. God just said, Feel what they are going to feel. Listen, you know what compassion moved him? He knew what pain was like. It's how you now interpret the things happening in your life is what we are talking about. Satan will come and say, you see, three disappointments. You need to go and break the curse. And once you go and break the curse, what you don't know, you have confirmed the curse. Listen, a lot of Christians don't know that. These curses you are breaking, the only thing you are doing is confirming them. All these curses you try to break, the only thing you do is to confirm them. You can't break them. Do you know why? They were broken already. So for you to try and break them, what you are doing now is try to reestablish that which Jesus had destroyed. What are you supposed to have done? You're supposed to have recognized. The real deliverance is recognition. Did you hear what I said? Christian deliverance is recognition. 
is to recognize that it has been done. So they tell you that, oh, maybe they come one day and say that the elders in your village. And you know, you asked about the story of your life. We just said it should just let you know. You know, your grandmother was actually from this particular village. And what happened was that there was a war. Story don't start. And then when they were going to settle the war, the oracle said they needed to bring a damsel from that village as a sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. So your grandfather was the chief priest. So they gave a young wife to your grandfather as an offering to the gods. And the agreement that the first daughter in each generation will belong to the gods. That's the story of your life. So you now ask them, where are the gods? I like, there's some particular uh, Mount Zion movie. Go and watch it. You know the name of the movie? The gods are dead. I like that one. Then I said, but the gods are dead. What happened was that the man was having issues. All the evangelists that came, some missionaries came and prayed in his house, and the power of God came. So the man converted to Christianity. So the chief priest now came to his house. Ah, Kabiesi, Kabiesi, Kabiesi. The gods said, the guy said, which gods? Yeah, the gods, you know, the hungry. So the Kabiesi looked at the chief priest. He said, but the gods are dead. Chief priest said, what? Which gods? He said, my friend, get out from here. The gods are dead. That's what you should tell them. When they finish, they say, which God now? So, you, you had an agreement with one God. And they said that the first daughter in each generation must belong to them. And now the problem I'm having is because I went and left them. I went and married somebody. You forgot that I told them that my grandmother married my grandfather. Did you not know that they were gods that time? He said, okay, the guy I married is also a chief priest. Leave that. <laughs> is he not the priest of the most high God? It's also a priest, so leave that. Okay, tell the gods eh, that I've married a priest of the gods senior to them. Covenant fulfilled. What many pastors will now say, now they've told, you now go to pastor. Pastor, Mugwe, Egbamio. Ah, what is Egbamio in, in Igbo? Huh? Okay, do you speak Igbo? <laughs> I won't lie. Okay, you, go, you write it down for me later. That's how I write properly. Okay. I don't like to pronounce things wrongly. He go and shout, say, ah, help me or deliver me. The pastor now say, what happened? They say in our family, you know the first daughter ever since my grandmother. Every daughter and every generation belongs to the God because that was the terms of which they said to the fight between two villages. Say, so better, better start fighting again because it's <laughs> if, if I'm the pastor, you tell, that's what I'm going to tell. Say, tell them to resume their fight. <laughs> no, what the Lord Pastor now do that say, hey, what you finish? Eh? Oh, now we are going to begin to pray. Every covenant we begin to break. We bind. Say, how did, Pastor, how many days? He said that will be seven days oh, fasting and praying. So we are going to fast from six to six. We break in church. So the prayer warriors will be gathered. Because somebody married your great grandmother to settle the quarrel and give her to God. And you are here. This is why God punishes people. Now, do you, the pastor, people are not going to be in trouble. Say, so what should they have done? If you're a pastor, listen to this. Tell her, say after me. I am in Christ. 
Old things passed away. Everything has become new. My lineage is now drawn from Christ Jesus. Satan has no hold over me. It's in the name of Jesus, I am free. Now you can go. Don't come back here. Say, boy, I have problems. Are you the only one that has problems? Do you know the one I came with from home this morning? All of us have problems. We will pray our problems away, but we will not ascribe it to other gods. Don't share God. You know, God gives people problems. So don't share his glory with another. People think it's only solution. He gives problems. There are times he tells you, listen, okay, who gave Jacob problems? I said, I need to correct this boy's head. But it would have been wrong for Jacob to say another God. He said the Lord led him about and there was no foreign God with him. It's so important. So if I have a problem, I say, God, what is the issue? I would never say Satan. Who, who is Satan? Who is Satan? Who is he now? Who is he? You don't have any control in my life. He, he just tries. He wants to see whether you play his script. Listen. This life, everybody writes scripts. Everybody. We're all script writers. But it's a major script. That's the script of God. Written in Christ Jesus concerning your life. Satan has written another one. And you, you are writing another one. What many spiritualists do is read from the script of Satan for you. Do you get my point? God has a book. Satan has a book. Sometimes Satan will bring his book. Which, of course, I hope you know one thing Jesus calls him. A liar. He can lie. He writes his story. After it has happened, meanwhile, he had nothing to do with the story. And now use it to prove to you. I mean, they do it all the time. These juju men that call themselves pastors will come. When you woke up this morning, you were facing the left side. You wanted to use hot water to have your bath. Then there was power failure. And you went to the kitchen to go and put the kettle on fire. They found that your neighbor has borrowed the kettle yesterday. And everything is correct. So because you were rushing for Bible study, you had to have, you have to, you have to have a cold bath on a cold morning. Hey, 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 hey. Papa prophesy. <laughs> Do I know you before? Did we see before? Have we met before? Did we plan this? All of it, correct. It really happened. So, if they tell you that, just be watching them. Say, okay, so. Now, for your information, those people, they, they can't, the devil cannot determine what will happen. He can occasionally, he see, first, he sees like everybody else sees. Things that have happened. Occasionally, he sees ahead of things that have happened physically because they've already happened spiritually. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, so it can sometimes predict. You think it's predicting. It's not really predicting. It's just that that thing has really happened spiritually, but you have not seen it physically. All right? But one thing he can never do is determine the future. He can't. He can't. He can't guess it. He can't do anything about it. In fact, God uses that as a cutoff. He said, tell us what will happen. Let's know that you are real gods. It's a, how do they say it? It's a challenge that he has put down. So all these devils know what they do. Listen to me. They give you the past history to try and convince you. Then when they have convinced you to follow them, all right, they now threaten you with a future which is not written in God's plan. 
For example, is this what I'm trying to say? Everything I've said now. Yeah, then last year, this one happened. And you're like, hey, yes, sir, exactly, exactly, Papa, Papa. Then he now starts telling you. I saw this one in Ghana. That's on TV, Ghanaian guy. After he had finished dazzling everybody with things that happened in the past, he's now started scaring them with things that will happen tomorrow. He said, you, go to the altar. Your business is going to collapse next year. Go for deliverance. Hey, you, you are going to go mad next year. Go for deliverance. Yeah, yeah. He was going around the church and telling them all the evil things that happened to them the following year. They should go to the altar for deliverance. And of course, you know what the, all the Mughals were doing? Rushing to the altar. Except that they did not realize that he knows nothing about their future. He just used his story of what has happened in the past to write a story. Now, listen to this, another thing. Faith is very powerful. If he gives them the prediction of what will happen in the future, all right, and they continue to walk with him, between their, them and their walk with him and that funny evil spirit, things will start happening. And he can never, listen, those people can never reverse any, they can never stop any evil from happening. For two reasons, all right? One, you, let me give you an example. They tell you that, okay, <laughs> like they say, I see death around you. They do that. Now, there's one thing about death. He's around. He grasps people at different times. So they always win. Why? If the person doesn't die, they say, we did the deliverance. If he dies, they say, we want him. <laughs> do you get it? If the person doesn't die, they say, ah, now deliverance, save him. If he dies, say, we want him. And the truth is that even if they could stop it, they won't. Why? It's not good for business. It's better for, no, think about it. They are evil people. It's better for them to point to a man and say, I see death around you. And then the man dies in six months. It confirms they are prophets. I told you a story once. There's one woman. I followed one of my relatives to her place once. She was a prophetess. And I think I followed my dad there once. So it's a prayer house. She used to pray. You understand? All these familiar spirit people. So she would pray. She, she, she used to speak one for, I can still remember this tongue she spoke. I remember the tongue till today. It's like, it, it, that tongue was more than 40 years ago. I remember it till today. Of course, when they are praying, I'm not closing my eyes. I'm looking at them. Everybody like, what are you guys up to in this place? And then she will pray and pray and pray. And then she will finish, when she finishes praying, then she begins to prophesy. And I'm hearing the prophecy. He gave my father a prophecy. Hmm? And later on, I found out that it came to pass exactly as she said. And it was, for, it was a bad thing. It wasn't a good thing. Right? It had to do with a partnership and stuff like that. And she, she said that it's going to end in enmity. It's going to end with this and that and that. I thought my father didn't do it, but eventually he did. And really... Yeah, and the guy had a big issue. I didn't. Even, I found out much later because my dad didn't used to talk much. It was my mom that mentioned that one to me much later? Then one day I found out that he came. Of course, I was in university. One of my aunties was given a title, a chieftaincy title, and the day they were celebrating her, my cousin. All right. Of course, I think it was tipsy. Must have drank something, so they took my her, my auntie's um, pickup vehicle to go and do something. So the driver hit a speed brake at high speed. So my cousin fell off the back, hit his head on the road, and died. Okay? I found out later that that woman had prophesied. She had come to the family house, and had told them that she sees death around, that they needed to fast, they needed to pray, and everything. My mom now remarked later. He said, there's never anything bad she prophesied that did not happen. 
no matter what they did about it. My mom told me, they said they followed her prescription to the letter. If he says everybody fast for six days, they all fasted. If he said offer these offerings, they did. Yet, they woke up one day, my cousin was dead. Then she said, there's never any good thing she prophesied that ever came to pass. There was never a hope she gave them that came to pass. Why did Jesus come and one day we were talking? This was years ago. My mom and I were talking. Yeah, so she said, so that woman, the prophetess. And the woman said, ah, that they don't, she doesn't see all, that's my folks again. And my mother just, ah, we thank God. He said, my mother said, ah, that darkness is over. Yeah, that's my mother said, eh? He said, where? See you, see who, where? Eh, no, he ain't seen me. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> He's not going to see me. Because by that time, as a whole family, we had encountered one particular preacher. He's, he has, he's passed on to be with the Lord now. All right? The powerful man, Dr. Lufarati. He didn't used to, he's not a prophet. He was not a prophet. He was an evangelist and a teacher of the word. So he grounded everybody on the word. Every day we would sit down there, the man will preach his heart out. Every week we'll go. The man will preach and preach and preach. So while listening to him preach, that was when my parents understood that, oh boy, you don't need the prophetess in your life. That was why they abandoned it. They learned to pray. They learned to believe God. They learned to take life as God will bring it. Take scriptures and read and read and read and read. To wake up early in the morning, my father wake up and read this Bible, kneel down beside his bed and pray, pray for the whole family. This man taught and taught and taught. When you bring prophecies, now say that they look like, we prophesy, we are here reading Bible. We don't have time for your prophecy. It was years later, the woman asked my mother one day, ah, they don't see them again. My mother said, amen, amen. <laughs> ain't seen anybody again. You know why? God says they can't, see, they have no control of the future. They don't. They don't have. Satan writes a script. If you start following his script, that's what I've been warning everybody concerning. Don't follow the script of Satan. If you have a problem, don't let him interpret it for you. Anybody can have a problem. Jesus said in the midst of the troubles, remember one thing. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Don't let Satan interpret anything for you. The fact that you have a problem, don't let Satan interpret it. Anybody can have a problem. Joseph had a problem. Let's talk about Joseph for a moment. You know he had a problem. You know the problem he had? It was the visions of God in his life. When he shared it with wicked people in his family, that was his problem. So the first time he showed the, shared the vision, what happened? His brother did what? Hated him. He foolishly opened his mouth and shared another one. His brothers hated him the more. He said that this moon and the sun and 11 stars were bowing down to him. Somebody said that this is wickedness. That you are so focused on the fact that you were bowing down, you didn't realize that you were stars. I, I saw that recently. Did you get it? Yes. That the man just saw a vision that you are a star. You didn't notice that. Your own is a how can I be bound to your own star? It's not better for a star to bow to another star than for dust to be competing with dust on the same level. The person said that's what wickedness does. Maybe prophesy to you now that you are going to be that uh, this guy, you are going to be a billionaire, you're going to be worth. 500 billion naira. Boy, <laughs> your younger brother that doesn't know book as much as you is going to be worth 2 trillion naira. 
You are there a few me. But I know book more than him now. Something's wrong with your head. <laughs> you are there a few me. If I were you, I would be so occupied what I would do with 500 billion. I won't care. What's my problem with who has 2 trillion? It's it none of my problems. It doesn't concern me. I'm like, you say 500 billion? That's what you saw? I said, please, can I just beg you? Can you make his own 7 trillion so that my own 2 can go up? Because, yeah. He said, ah. He said, okay, okay, I can make your own 2 trillion, but his own now become 8 trillion. He said, doesn't matter. Make your own 16 trillion. See, my own, that is. <laughs> like, like, like Abraham said, the place is big enough, you know? You take one side, I take one side. It's not a problem. Okay, with all your trillions, which land do you want to collect? Whatever that is remaining, I will go and collect. What do you want to build? You want to build uh, schools and hotels and what? Factories. Okay. I mean, come on. I'd rather have two trillion there. Oh, my little brother has ten trillion. Therefore, both of us will be struggling over ten thousand there. It sounds reasonable because you go to church. Wicked people can't stand it. Oh, wicked people, no. Ah, I'm senior to him now. That they never see the money, don't they fight over? <laughs> the Lord is good. The point I'm making is this. Listen, Joseph had problems. Let's, let's focus on our main message. Joseph was taken by his brother. You know the story, all right? Was taken by his brother, thrown into, pit, into a pit. Come on, that's the problem. They were going to kill him. That's a problem. And they sold him as a slave. That's a real problem. That young guy was a slave for a long time. He was taken when he was a teenager. He was in Potiphar's house. He went to jail, I think, for about um, two, three years or so before he came out of jail. So you can extrapolate that this guy will probably be in Potiphar's house for like 10 years or more. But he was just tossing him up and down as a slave. Now let me ask you a question. Was it the devil that sent him into slavery? What did he say with his own mouth? They meant it for evil. But God. Don't, interp- don't let Satan interpret your life for you. That's what I'm going to say. Don't let the devil, that's what these people do. They go around trying to interpret your difficulties, your challenges with the devil's plan. They want to use the devil's plan. And when they do that, when you accept it concerning the past, you know what happens? You are compelled to accept it concerning the future. And that's why many people are in bondage to prayer houses. Yeah, that's the reason why. Because they come, they tell you things about the past, things that have happened. Things that have happened already. They tell you about, so just as you assume they know the future. Now, hear the word of the Lord for today. They don't. People have said it before. You know, I see death around you. You know that kind of thing? Oh, I've, I've been told before that before. You think I prayed about it? Go for it. You know, I, I'm, I fear God. You know, like, you know, the person, they fear God. This black preacher fears God. He said, what do you mean fear of God? If you say you see death around me and I go and pray about it, he will punish me. So I'm compelled to ignore what you said like you said nothing. Is that you won't die? Who won't die one day? Please, oh, can you just point to somebody here who's not going to die? down? Let's just rise, comes back. All of us, well, maybe one or two will stay like uh, Sadhu Savarajah, some people will stay. Uh, you know, you've heard that thing before? Yeah. But you know, I'm looking at this Obina guy. At the time that you keep here for 700 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apart from strange people like that, which, you know, Sadhu Savarajah told us about the Maharishi of Mount Kailash, uh-huh, yes. Uh, so maybe he's really there. I've never seen him. Okay, he insists that John, the beloved, did not die. He's still alive. I don't know. But apart from occasional people like that, I hope you know everybody, if Jesus doesn't return, even if the life of God is working in you, one day you will get tired. Think about it. You are 140. Your grandchildren's friends are dying now. You know, you just look and say, let your servant depart in peace. My eyes have seen the salvation of God. 
You know, there's a man like that in the Bible. God kept him alive. That guy, I don't know how long he was alive for. I, I'm, I'm, I suspect that guy will probably have lived to be like 300 years or so. I don't know for sure. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, you know, imagining. That guy lived for so long, he was tired. So the moment he saw, he just came to the temple and he heard that baby cry. And the spirit said, that is him. He went there. Ha ah, ha What was the first thing he said? Now thy servant can do what? Can depart. I beg. That is, yeah. No, sorry, don't, what I want to say. Would you like to live in Nigeria for 600 years? Nigeria is a good country. It's just the traffic. The people at the junction are the ones I can't stand. I can't drive like this. I can enjoy it while I'm doing my work. After some time, guys, and by the way, don't think I can live in America for 200 years. I can't. I can't live anywhere. Like my friend said that. He said, look, Banky, I don't go to anybody's house. I said, why? Said, I don't want them to shoot me in the face. Yes. And I thought it was joking. As I saw them shooting people, one young boy went to go and knock. His brothers, his father said, go and bring your younger twins from where they went to play. Assume they were going to house number. He said, okay, go to apartment 12A. He went to block 12A. That is the house 12A on another street. As he knocked the door. And the old man gave him two rounds. Why? He said he felt threatened. Threatened by an unarmed 16 or 17 year old. Who just knocked on the door and said, please, I want to pick my younger siblings. I don't want to leave there too. As we, I, we thought they one off thing. So a, a group went for a party. They went to the wrong house. Maybe they are going to house number 13. They drove into house number 12. I said, hey, this is not, this is not, they didn't come down. They just drove up the driveway. I said, oh, no, it's the wrong house. Reverse, go to the right house. The guy brought the, killed people inside the vehicle. Why did you drive up my driveway? And they say, stand your ground. Now, do I want to live there for 600 years? Think about it. Or believe in a house, somebody will come and knock on the door. I say, please, who are you looking for? They say, okay, who should I say, Kim? Because I'm looking at, is, are you a Z or Za or De or he or her? I can't be watching lying news every day for 600 years. What I'm trying to say to you is this. This earth is nothing to attach anybody here forever. People say, God, God can't send somebody to hell. I say, doesn't have to send you to hell. All you need to do is leave you on the earth. You're in hell already. <laughs> Just leave you on the earth. You, we can endure it for a short while. We can endure it because we know that there's hope. It'll soon be over. But we say, Banky, you're a good guy. So you stay here permanently. Say, hey, Lord, this is hellfire now. This earth? No. We, are go- we must go to heaven. The new heaven and the new earth must be created. Yes. Can't live in this nonsense for eternity. Lie, lie. Or for be bad. But what were we saying, Joe? So, <laughs> what was I saying? Interpreting our lives, yes. Alright? So, everybody's going to die when they say you see death around. Do you know, it didn't bother me one least bit. I'm serious about it. Though. You won't scare me. I will not let you scare me. Don't let a false prophet interpret your life for you just because you have problems. And the worst interpretation they give is pointing fingers. I said, problems occur once in a while. Friend of mine, couples, I mean, very good friend, very close, dear ones to me. One day, one of their, their, their smallest child, he took ill. Mother went out by the time they came back. The boy was dead. 
I mean, it was a shock. Just little illness. It wasn't something tremendously terrible. They didn't even expect it. Of course, we mourned over it. We prayed with them and all of that. Then the woman was in the house one day. And a neighbor came. Ah, my sister. Hmm. You know the way they do. I'm a boy. We found out. Anyway, in summary. This woman that lives down the street. That your neighbor. Eh? She's a witch. Revelation has come. That she's the one that killed your child. Yeah, they actually told my sister this. <laughs> no, the grieving mother did. She burst into laughter. She couldn't stop. That is, she conversed with laughter. I said, don't let the devil interpret your life for you. This is a woman who just lost her baby. Maybe like six months or, by, or less than a year. She was still grieving. A neighbor came and said, ah, we have found the witch that killed the boy. So now the question I want me to do, the question I want to ask is that, what do you now want me to do? You found the witch, what will I now do? I'll go to the police. Please arrest this woman for murder. The police is going to look at you like, what did you do? Say so she entered the coven at night and did, I'm a Peking on there. Do you get my point? What do they want you to do? I'll tell you what they want you to do. It's Satan. It's Satan. They want you to start seeing the person as an enemy. They want to separate you from the individual. They want to change your prayer pattern. They want to make you fearful. If they, if you live in the same compound, what's the next thing? Your child can't go near that flat again. That's what is what Satan wants. Because you can't go to the police. What does Satan want? Wants you to be afraid. What does Satan want? You now go to their church because the only person that will deliver you from that family is the person who identified them in the first place. That's why I'm warning you, please, people of God, don't let Satan interpret your life. Don't let Satan interpret your life. That day, unfortunately for them, this woman came to the wrong person. Sat her down, said, ah, we found out there's mama, so, so, and so, her neighbor. You know, she's a witch, she's the one that killed your son. My sister burst into laughter. That, you know, convulsed with laughter. And laughed and laughed and laughed. And told her, Madam, come and start going. Yeah, I told her, no, told her straight. Please, come and start going. You see, the problem between me and my God, we will settle it. But no witch can take my child. Come and start going. Ah, eh, well, I have, eh, just come and start going. You know, some people, you know, what would now normally you now go and buy an auntie and annoy the other children. In Jesus' name, witch will not see you. In Jesus' name, witch will not see you. Why won't witch see me? How would they admire the glory of God if they can't see me? Are they crazy? What can they do? Did he not say he will anoint my head with oil? How? It will, it, it, how did he say it again? He will set the table before me. How? Why won't they see me? I'm just wondering. Why would they not see me? And if they see me so? See, let me tell you, don't confirm satanic prophecies in your life by hiding from people. <laughs> this actually happened. You know, I had an elder brother, many of you don't know, but he died many years ago in a road traffic accident. That, I mean, it's not today's story, all right? Okay, that's about 1992, all right? Good. So, so that time I used to come home a lot, you know, just to stay with my parents, just to, you know, encourage them. So one day I was sitting in this room, my mother said, come, come, come and go inside. I said, why? He said, some people are coming. I said, so? He go inside now. I said, why would I go inside? You know what I mean? I stubbornly sat down there until they entered. And I greeted everybody. 
So after that, I said, what, what was that? He said, I apologize. He said, my son, he said, human beings, they scare me. I said, you, they won't scare this guy. I refuse to get up. I said, mommy, please, don't, don't, don't try that one again. Accidents happen. It's terrible that affected us. What was all of this? I'm sitting down and people are coming to visit you and I should go inside so that they will not see me. If they see me, come. Listen, we will look eye to eye. We are light alike. Forgive me. See. <laughs> <laughs> I will kill you first. I will look you in the eyes. You will go blind. No, I told my mother, please, don't, no, don't play near some things. Me? Get off from here? Because of who? If the devil himself is coming, God forbid, because God said, if you are afraid of them, I will disgrace you before them. I said, no, I beg go. I said, no. Ah, that kind of play, not play near that kind of thing again. She was not apologizing to keep my son, I beg, please don't be angry. Ah. I said, ah, wait. I will look you in the face like this. Hmm? Let me tell you something about spiritual things. These evil people, they, if they, you see, I told you, there are two kinds. There are people who are just charlatans, in which they don't know what they are saying. They are just preying on your ignorance. Like I was still watching a skit yesterday. One man said, hey, I'm in trouble. Oh, pastor, pray. I'm being sued for a hundred billion naira. The other guy said, okay, bring 70 billion for us to use to pray. <laughs> The guy said, Pastor, you are mad. <laughs> At the end, he said, Pastor, I'm very, very sorry. But how can I use how can I use 70 billion to pray? He said, okay, okay, sorry, I didn't hear the spirit's word. The spirit says seven billion. And I said, Pastor, let me transfer two hundred thousand to you. So I said, okay, just add three hundred. <laughs> Not these Nigerian comedians. Eh? <laughs> the way I'm going with that story is that there are people like that all over the place who are trying to, they are just scam artists. They are scam artists. They just go to church, they pretend to be pastors, but they are scam artists. They are one group. There's a second group, all right? Now, some of them, you know, even, they don't go to church, they don't pretend to be pastors, they pretend to be juju men, but they are scam artists. But there's a second group that are not scam artists. They actually seen to the realm of this with the Balaam type. Okay? Now, this is what I want to get, get across to you. All right? What I want to get across to you is that those ones that are genuine, no matter how evil they are, if they are genuine, all right, they fear when they see believers. So if you're a Christian, if somebody comes to you and points a finger at you, spiritualist person now, all right, and says that you will see, don't take him seriously. It's obviously fake. It's obviously fake. No, that's how you know fake ones. They don't know the boundaries. The genuine ones, they know boundaries. Once they shake your hand there, they know. Say, leave this one alone. Ah. See, even if they did not know immediately, when they want to start, they will be warned. They will be warned. The other day I had, uh, you know, Rima is down here. I went for one of their testing, what they call test, what do you guys call it? one of their sessions to introduce him. So Pastor Tokes was teaching. He told a story that when he was in the Bible, one man said that, see, 
that uh, he has a something. Nothing sharp can cut him. So he won he, he, he the man that, listen, okay, if I cut you, you will bleed. He's an elderly person. He was there as a young boy. The man said, no, you can't cut me. The man said, Baba, you want us to try it? The man said, yes. So they brought a bleed. I think the man tried, you know, people, you guys, okay, if I cut you, you will bleed. So the man told him to try. So he held the bleed, and under his breath, you evil spirit, get out of here. So all of the spirits, they went outside. <laughs> he carried the blade. He cut the man. The man bled. The man opened his mouth looked at him like, who are you? He said, okay, I warned you. If I cut you, you will bleed. Because nobody could cut the man and he will bleed. He said, me? I will cut you, you will bleed. You won't try me. He said, the man didn't know under his breath. He, he told the spirits to go and wait outside. And the spirits moved back because they, they fear. So he carried blade, just gently blade. He said, okay, next time I will cut it deeper. So don't just go near that thing. Just to let you know that power past power. I hope we are clear now. Elderly man looked at the young man with shock. Elder man speak the other day. He said a lot to him to go and see the head of the Ifa priest in Nigeria. And by the time he spoke, I said, no, that guy is the head of Ifa priest worldwide. So I go to the man's house. Went to the man said, no, you should wait. And the guy lives in a massive palace. So the man sat down on his mat. He wanted to cast me. He said, look, I have a message for, for you from the Lord. He said, he said, you should wait. He wanted to talk to the oracles. To tell. So he looked, okay. He said, I should wait. I will wait now. So he cast his pellet, did everything. This guy is the head, at least, officially in Nigeria, the he- hi- highest. He do, do, do. After a while, he packed the pellet. He said, what did you say you wanted to tell me? Because I can't see anything. He said, I was warning you that you won't see anything. Let me talk to you. I brought a message from Jesus Christ. He said, all the things he normally says, everything went blank. He could see nothing. He had to look up at the young man and say, who, who did you say you were? He said, that's what I was trying to tell you. That looking down there is not going to help you when I'm around here. No. <laughs> no, so if anybody wants to threaten, just know he's fake. Because the genuine ones, they get their correction early. He said, have you considered my servant Job? I said, I said, we went near there now. You save no how far. God, I said, okay, yeah, yeah. That's the reason why I called you. I pulled back his defenses. I want to go and do something. Until God issued that statement, Satan knew how to give Job his space. So if anybody is threatening you, just know the individual is blind. He's fake. He's fa- That's why I talk the way I do. I don't... If you think I go home and go and kneel and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every evil spirit. Abba, there are prayers we pray, eh? That God will not be angry. Say, Banky, what is all of this? You come to me and say, I see, I see death around you. I say, bros, which death are you seeing around me? Because if you look at it, where the number of deaths you see around me. One, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is showing around me. Yeah, it shows. It shows. All the ones we have cast out, like I always say, if you get to my house, if I kill the cockroach in the morning, you will see death around the house. So which one are you seeing? But if you want to scare me so that I won't go out, no, that will not happen. No. It won't happen. It won't happen because if I stay at home because of you, I'm dead already. That's the point we're making. Let me tell you something. You have to fear God. You have to fear God. Say, look, Satan, eh, the truth is that this thing you have said, eh, I think it's true. Maybe I will die. There's only one problem. If I die, at least I will die pleasing God. But if I follow you now and I live, I'm in more trouble. 
You know, God said, look, don't, you have to be careful who you fear. He said, don't fear the ones that can kill the flesh. Oh. See, when it comes to fear time, look at me. Me, I have not only killed the flesh, I throw people into hellfire. And like the different person will say, the cure for fear is what? Bigger fear. And that's something I want to tell people. God gets angry. If you like Satan, you allow Satan to be interpreting your life. Instead of you to relax, let him interpret your life. You are allowing Satan be the one to interpret your life. It offends him seriously. It's really offensive to him. So you fall down and say, my enemy said I won't go far. God said, no. Why don't you just ask Balaam? Why couldn't he go far? Was he his enemies? No. It was because I was angry with him. Why ask Israel? Why couldn't they go far? Was it not when they offended me? Was it their enemies? Why did they, why was I angry that they came and asked for Saul to be their king or asked for a king and I gave them Saul? It was simply because they did not realize that when they are having problems, I am the enemy. So he warned the prophets, one Jeremiah, one Ezekiel. Say, listen, guys, if I send you somewhere, don't be afraid of anybody. Because you are afraid of anybody, those people, you are saying to me that you think they are more powerful than me. And I find it very offensive. Has it not happened to you before? You send somebody somewhere and it displays more fear for the person than for you. I'm just, I have a few examples in my head right now. Some of them I won't tell you here because some of the people involved, you know. I say, ah, I told you, tell, go and tell Chooks that I said like this. And maybe I sent Benga. I said, when I got there, that day, the way his face was looking. I was afraid to talk to him. No, I will slap him immediately. You are not afraid to talk to me. I will feel insulted. I have sent you. How can you be more afraid of him than me? You, are, you know, so next time I see Chooks, I say, Chooks, wait, warn yourself. Why, why, why should my son fear you more than he fears me? <laughs> and that's what we do. We want to show God that uh, we fear the devil's actions and works more than we fear God. Some of the things I do personally, it's not boldness, it's fear. It's fear. Just be afraid that if we offend, because the way people understand God is not the way I understand. Me, I understand two sides of him. I know he's a good God, a very merciful and kind God, but he doesn't like stubborn people. He won't kill me, he won't send me to a fire, but the flogging he gives. God never flogged you before. You'll be begging and say, Lord, please, I won't do it again. You know, the, the way you do your children is the way God does you too. Sometimes here they pay you. It's God pulling your ear. You wake up in the morning and say, my ear is aching. You go to the hospital. The doctor will be looking inside. So I really can't see anything. I say, ah, he's been paining me. It's God has been dragging this yesterday. Say, you know they hear. I've been correcting you for two days now. He will twist the ear. You just, you please just be hot. I know God is to discipline Israel. And false prophets will tell them it's not him. And that thing used to annoy God. He said, I did this to them. He said, they said not he. He won't do anything. And that's one thing that these gospel people preach these days about the grace of God. A grace, grace, grace. Don't be silly. That's not the true God. Many times God is trying to discipline you and he literally will give you problems. There are times you are going where you're not supposed to go. Your tire will burst. And he's telling you, if you change that tire and continue, okay, then you are still going. You are crook, crook, your engine don't knock. It's enough to take, turn back. Yeah, it does that. God will just knock your engine. Knock it nicely. 
There's one story that Bishop said, told, told me one day. He said one day he wanted to go and see his ogre. He was very angry with the man. He was very, very angry. So he was going, going on the road. Then the car began to smoke inside. No more cars smoke outside. His own was smoking inside. Ah. So he quickly parked. So electric car fault must be. He parked, wound down, put off the engine. After I think he came down, he went back home. He called the electrician. They didn't find anything wrong with that car until he sold the car. They couldn't identify anything that was wrong. So he decided that it's God that said, don't go anywhere. People think that God, no, God just said, don't go anywhere. So when he was going, the car began to smoke. And listen, let me tell you, if he, doesn't, if he didn't stop, the car will catch fire. And why the electrician couldn't find anything wrong was because he stopped. And he went back home. If he had continued, after one kilometer, you will see these flames. Though. And let me just tell you, so burning cars doesn't worry God. Though. You know why? To him, it's not valuable. Now your eye, it is a ten million. To God, it's nothing. All flesh is what? Just burnt grass. So if you want God to burn your car, be going to where you're not supposed to go. And when he burns it, he's messy. He's messy. Okay, if I burn this car now, you won't come here again. Because if you go there, I will break your leg. So choose one. I burn, I burn the motor. I crack both of your legs. And the God that I know, he breaks legs. That's what people don't understand. The God that I know, he does it. And sometimes I, I beg him and say, Lord, see, please, I have something to say. I'm your obedient servant. I'm your son. Thank you very much. Sometimes I misbehave. Can you try not to correct us harshly? I give you suggestions. Dream works, you know. Friends, they walk, you know. Just if I don't hear the one person, let the other person talk. I said, but please, bed of affliction, injuries, and all of that. Can you try and avoid it? It's not good. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And the Lord said, well, you think I like it too? It's stubbornness. Your friends talk to you. Your wife talk. Did you listen? And I was your face. Now your face is now swollen dead. <laughs> Some people with swollen jaw, it's not tooth problem. It's disobedience. Some people listening to me now, God say, you know, you know. Sit down, repent. You've given too many excuses. That your jaw will go down. That's that's the that's holy slap you are just, you are experiencing right there. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Oh God, you know. Of course, it happens once in a while like that. We'll get to this resurrection story one day. We will get there. But I just want to emphasize something here. But that's been on my mind. Well, that's what's been coming forth from my mouth. All right. Since don't let the devil interpret your life for you. A sign of faith is that you interpret your life from scriptures. Affliction is not a strange thing with believers. It's how we interpret it. They were talking about Joseph. So, okay, he had afflictions. At the end of the day, we saw where it was, get, where it was going to. It would have been wrong for someone to say that the, the witches in his mother... You know, Joseph is the one that had the best story to tell himself. Raised up in a house of rivalry. His mother and the other wife, with his mother's sister, they didn't really get along. The brothers didn't like him. Is that not the real place where you can see Ogbanje's spirits? That's the real house where you see territorial spirits, spirits of incubus and succubus that can afflict a man. Yeah. They usually are there. In fact, you know the truth? The problems he had, she didn't know it was deliverance from his brothers. Because they were going to Egypt for these boys kill you. He stayed in Egypt and prospered in Egypt. I feel like prophesying to somebody. That affliction will lead to your prosperity. That's why James said, Beloved, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. 
So this trial of your faith is working what? Patience. What is the end of it? So that you'll be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. Let's sit and interpret your life. I forbid you listen to me. Don't play. Don't, see, let me just say something here. Eh? I said it earlier. Don't play safe with God. When I say play safe, let me believe this word, but still go for deliverance. All the village deliverance you have been going for, of course, no, it's, it's wasting your money. It's achieving nothing. But if, if, the warning I want to add to it for you today is that it's establishing you in the plan of Satan. Yeah, that's what it's doing. It's establishing you in the script of the enemy. You are believing them. Pastor, we should actually, you know, you stumble into social media, you know, I, I, I go on X, formerly known as Twitter. And I saw some people, they were talking about me. Say, Pastor Bank does not believe in video deliverance. <laughs> I'm serious. That was like three days ago, I laughed. They say he doesn't believe in village deliverance. So that person says, is that the only thing that you have to say about him? You need to listen to the other thing he said. <laughs> you know, they will tag you and all of that. I had a very good laugh. You want to hear it? I do not believe in village deliverance. <laughs> so what about family deliverance? It's rubbish. Hey, hey, hey. You know, everything I say is from where? The only family deliverance that exists. Go and ask Cornelius about it. Peter came. Cornelius gathered the whole household so that they will hear words by which they will be saved. When we were children, that man I was telling you about, my mother will pack all of us inside a motor car and she will carry us to the place. We will sit down and get family deliverance. What is family deliverance? Scriptures, the gospel, teaching and teaching and teaching. And that's family deliverance. What's the name of that? Uh, the devout tell us his name. Paul and Silas that prayed. And then the, the place shook. The jailer. He believed. And his household, all of them were saved. That is what deliverance is. That he gathered his household and all of them were baptized. That is family deliverance. Family deliverance is that all of you settle down, hear the word of God. Family deliverance is find a church somewhere where the, it doesn't have to be a big church, whether they have marble, don't let marble deceive you. Marble is not the gospel. I'll be getting my point. It's not. Sometimes in those villages, the real place where the word is coming from is primary school classroom that they use two times a week when there's no primary child in school. Abby? Yes, when primary school child in school around. Yes, they come and sit down. If you've never been to fellowship when you have to sit on those funny benches where your knee will be teaching, touching your chin. That is, sometimes that is family deliverance. It's penance for your sins. When you sit on those... <laughs> that is village deliverance. A family deliverance. Drag everybody there. To, and I've told you, one thing about church is that you don't, the, the pastor does not have to appear heavily anointed. Some of the finest, most anointed-looking pastors are the ones that I dislike the most. You know why? You look at their deceiving people with their fine face. Hey, careful! Oh, you're tall, you're tall, you're tall, you're tall. <laughs> See, my friend, go and sit down. This is not what we need. Some of those places, all they do is sing it. Look, 
I hope you know, God doesn't do the kind of dance. It doesn't have to be like that. If it's him, they sing, fine. If it's dance, fine. I'm not saying the dance is wrong, but don't be locating it based on the gyrations. If they come there in the morning, uh, brethren, you're all welcome. We are singing from him, one, one, one. Sing. Then they will take a Bible reading. Then you will sit down. And one person will come and share the scriptures, explain it a bit. So it doesn't have to sound powerfully anointed. As long as they're just reading the scriptures. At the end of the day, you will pray and you share grace and you go home. That is family deliverance. Drag your people there regularly. All these pastors you pay to come and fast for you and stay in your house and be making noise at night for a week. They are not doing you the list of good. For them, it's business. I hope you understand. I mean, that is where the juice comes from. I mean, like, man must eat. At the end of the day, you pay. They said they are bringing prayer warriors to your house. Like, I always say, go to the book of Acts and find out whose house they brought prayer warriors to. <laughs> People actually think that they will come and pray until devil spirits will leave your walls. Even if you're looking at all of you like, are these people serious? They're not going anywhere. Because they came as sinners and left as sinners. Why should evil spirits go? They want to go. What you need, I hope you're getting my point, is for everybody in the family to give their lives to Christ. There's no deliverance for somebody who's not giving his life to Christ. There's no deliverance. Don't deceive them. What about village deliverance? Ah, we've discussed it before now. What do we need for village deliverance? Is uh, missionaries, is crusades, is church, is uh, you know programs? Go and mount platform, put speaker there, and bring local Raymond Bonke. You know what I mean, local Raymond Bonke. And please, let me just say something. Like I was telling my wife, we discussed it yesterday. See, eh? What I found out. I don't take invitations much. Many of you have noticed. I'm, I'm around here most of the time. I, I don't like invitations much. I don't. I don't. In case you want to know, I will explain the reason. Most of the time, I see most of the invitations I get as people are just doing show. They are doing jamboree. You give me one hour in your three-day program. Make me feel like, uh, you know, uh, whiskey. I'm coming to perform for you. You see where I'm going? I tell my wife, we saw yesterday, I said, I don't enjoy it. That's why I turn down most invitations. I, I think the Jesus has gone around now, so nobody even bothers me. You don't mind me, you won't come. Yes, don't mind me. Thank you very much. Leave me here. Let me be doing what I'm doing here. And you see where I'm going? I said, look, I don't understand this one of um, just going, make noise for one day, and then run away. You don't have much impact. I said, the people that taught us, can they again go, when they hit a village, that's where I'm going now. Three weeks. They put a tent outside there. And every night, they are worshiping God and preaching the word and praying for the sick. During the day, they are doing classes for those who want to learn the word. They put a tent there three weeks. That's what, that's the reason why I just said some of these people do. You want deliverance for your village, that's what you need. Don't just come and shout, no, no, no. Put that tent there, put that platform there. Sometimes you will leave it there for six months if you are doing it every week. 
maybe once a week. Say, so it's going to be there for six weeks, uh, six months. Let them just be there preaching to the village. Let 10 people come, doesn't matter. You want, you want village deliverance? The one that you will gather people who will just go there, they will now face a tree. It's the most jobless thing. See, I don't care who their geo is, because I've seen geos that preach nonsense like that. There is a tree in front of your father's house. Almost everybody's father's house, I know, has a tree somewhere. Pastor, like somebody said, you don't know African witches. I know the international Jesus. That's what I'm telling you. I know the Jesus that reigns over all. And I'm telling you how he delivers people. Don't surround the tree. I keep on saying, it may be humorous, but it's fact. Why are you driving the witches? Number one, let's get it clear. There's no witch inside the tree. You think witches are stupid? You, you sleep inside bed, they will sleep inside tree. <laughs> inside your house on top of a bed, they will stay inside tree. You're not serious. I told the man that went and saw the head of uh, Ifa priest. He said he met him in a palace. Who not like Betati? Said so they're inside tree. Demons don't live in trees. They look for people to inhabit. Tree cannot convey their, you know. He said, the witches now came to meet in trees. Let me tell you where witches meet. Do you want to know? Nightclub. Where there's beer, unkobi, you know? You know, a bacha correct one. No, it's you. Why are you meeting inside tree? What are you going to eat inside tree? Lignin? Cambion layer of tree. Now you want chop. You want to see where witches are? I will tell you. Look, they are dozens of street. Israel. Israel's neighbors. They will. <laughs> There are some joints down there. Which is, that's where witches believe. All these ones that you say are delivering from trees, they are not witches, they are just frustrated ancestral spirits. <laughs> Leave that thing. If you want to drive anything out of anywhere in your village, arrange. That's how men used to do it those days. They plant a platform there in the village square. And the Igwe that says they can't come because we kill him. That's what God does. Yeah. One of my, that man I was telling you about, Dr. Fratz, I was mentioning. His father is a traditional ruler in their place. So he went home, did a massive program, forgotten a whole week or something. His father came. The chiefs came. They, gave, they were baptized. Everybody came. The chief priestess is the one that refused to come. They said, come and worship the true God. She resisted them from beginning to the end. The last day of the program, I forgot how long it lasted. They had a Sunday service with Thanksgiving. So they all went. The chief priestess did not come. When they all dispersed, got back home, she was dead. Every man got, every man got the point. She stayed at home. The whole village went to church to do Thanksgiving. When they returned, they met her dead. The Jesus we are talking about, you know, the joke. He kills people. It doesn't joke. So the Igwe does the elders does look, the intercessors in the village have to pray for them. Otherwise, God will kill everybody. Say, so we want to use the village square. And just, they know how to do this message. You just call the youth leader and say, guys, Jesus said he wants to use the village square. He said, we have one tradition. The tradition is suspended for six months because Jesus wants to use the village square. Just tell them like that. Don't fight anybody. Just tell them like that. 
the guy that was making noise, saying be the head of the Zimman, we call it last time, more the masquerade. Go, you look and say that boy, he's 21, he's too young to kill, leave him. Let, let, let them, they will depose him, put one man that's older, more stubborn, 43 years old. Uh-huh. God said, that's good, that one is a wicked soul. Anyway, he's the one that killed that child around the river, that nobody caught him. Leave him, I'll use him as an example. And I said, no, in this village, I want to agree. God said, good, I wanted him to say it openly. You answer him openly that God who owns this village said he wants to come. Say no over my dead body. Say thank you. They will get up next day and find that his head is inside a pool or a bucket of water in his own house. He has drowned inside a bucket of water. <laughs> then you come and say, God say want to use the village square. Everybody say, ah, ah. In fact, do you want the village rectangle on top of it? <laughs> Not the only square. Oh. Say six months. Any good that rises up against it, God says, hey, 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 you want to drown inside a teacup? <laughs> That's what he does. That's how you deliver a village. That's how you deliver a village. It's not by all this nonsense praying. People are doing it. Just think someone going under a tree. You command all the bats on the tree to go away. Bats don't hurt people. I mean, they are not spiritual things. They are birds. They are confused rodents. No, they, when they were making them, God said, should we make this one a bed or a rodent? One angel said, Lord, I think let's see what a combination will look like. That's why you have bats. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. I hope I've explained something to you today. Then Christ Jesus will have our deliverance. I wanted us to talk about that resurrection, but of course the time is out on us today. Oh, we'll keep coming back. But what have I said today? Don't let Satan interpret your life for you. If you are letting him do that, he starts plotting your destiny. I will not let him do that. Let's give the Lord thanks this morning. Let's say, Lord, thank you. Let's say, Lord, thank you. Thank him for the deliverance we have in Christ. Let's thank him for the riches of the glory, the riches of the inheritance, the freedom. Let's thank him for it. Say, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you praise. We honor you, Father. Say, Lord, we appreciate you. Just want to say thank you. Now, use your mouth and tell the Lord, Lord, I will not let Satan interpret my life for me. Say, Lord, I declare that only your word will interpret my life. By faith, I understand the things happening to me. By faith, I understand my past. By faith, I understand my destiny. By faith, I understand that it's by understanding of your word, I interpret that which is happening in my life. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Let's take the grace. One, two, go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Please give that to two people.